Yep, that works. Can you see? I, I, I think us both changing all possible audio and visual inputs and outputs at one time may have freaked out one of the four programs that's running right now. Like, no, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Cat, you gotta chill out, or I don't know. I yeah, I'm, I don't really have a good threat. Actual volumes, f, f that. That's too much. We will, we will there, figure there, this there out. Are, there are people out there. I guarantee you, who are like, I spent two thousand dollars on a three D printer, and I bought five hundred dollars worth of filament, but I just printed two thousand Legos. So checkmate, Lego. <laughs> A Broken Toys Studio Production. Broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. I'll go get my phone because I can't reach my Trello board from here, so I'll have no way of doing keeping up otherwise. I'll be right, right back. Yeah, yeah, be right back. I'll fill time. It's not really on the air. He can't hear me. I'm just talking to myself right now. I'm going to send him all this so he can use it to pull some of the stuff out that he can. Oh, look, Mickey's holding the castle. Mickey's kind of like, oh, there's his ass. Yeah, he showed his ass. Usually it's only proverbial. For proverbially. Oh, Mickey's holding the castle. He's like squeezing the castle, which makes me think there's a little bit too much give to the castle. Maybe the foundation's not as strong as it should be. Anyway, this is just me vamping on some things. So I went through McDonald's today, and we're going to talk a lot about McDonald's later, but uh, they have that big screen that like shows me what I've ordered, but it also shows everybody else what I ordered. And I don't know that I want that many people knowing what I've ordered. I mean, yes, it is just me. And yes, I'm in an SUV. So uh, presumably I could be ordering for a bunch of people, but maybe I'm just ordering for me. And so when I just spent $45 and 35 cents, not to put too specific a number on it, uh, and ordered eight McRibs, you know, maybe someone's going to judge. I don't know. Probably Dustin Rector. Might be somebody else. Probably you. Maybe you. I don't know. Somebody's going to judge me for it. And see, that's the problem is if you put something that big and there goes Mickey. See, I told you the foundation was going bad. But no, no, no one listens to me because I didn't go to engineering school. I just read a pamphlet, but whatever. Don't listen to me about my things. But that's the thing is if you put it on that gigantic board with all of the, uh, the numbers and stuff, when you put it on that gigantic board, the problem becomes everyone else can see what's going on. And then that's a problem. Don't you agree? Fascinating. <laughs> There's definitely one thing I do know for sure. What's that? That this is general geekery specifically. It's a podcast. I'm Lou. I'm Ben. And, oh man, okay, look, it has been a long, long decade this past nine months. <laughs> uh, we all know that, and we want this to be a place of levity. We want this to be an escape for a while. So, yeah, you know what? We do see what's going on. We recognize it, but we're we're going to give some space to that here. We're going to try not to dive into any of it, so... Hopefully you can get a bit of a break and just hang out with us for a bit. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's have some fun. Let's pretend to have some fun. We'll pretend like we're having fun. You guys pretend like you're having fun. We'll pretend like we're all having fun together. That's right. And if you can imagine it, you can do it. And you know what I can imagine? I can imagine something to the deepest depths of the ocean. Uh, I can imagine a grand landfill. Now, Lou, for those grand. that don't, grand. Lou, for those that, that don't know, what is, uh, why, why don't we fill people in? What is Grand Landfill? Okay, so if you don't know, that means, where have you been? This is your first episode. You need to go back and listen to at least season three. Come on, like, 
catch up here. There's a big story arc, but we're all searching for baby Yoda. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I've, yeah, in all, in all seriousness, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, what we've been doing every week is trying to find out what will, how much of something would it take to fill up the Grand Canyon? And how big is the Grand Canyon? That's a great question. Um, we have to find some arbiter of truth for volumes. And we have picked as arbiter of truth, Wolfram Alpha. This he's, is basically he's a, guy, an ex- he, he's a guy that we met on the street. Um, he wears a, a wolf, alpha. yeah, yeah. Wolf, he wears a wolf hat. Uh, nice guy, a killer sense of style. I'm pretty sure he was popping tags at the, uh, at the goodwill. Um, yeah. and we trust him. Pretty completely. Sure he killed that wolf. <laughs> <laughs> but this is basically lose excuse to buy a wolf from alpha subscription and ask it horrible questions and see how long it takes for them to just give me back my money and kick me off. Now, what is wolf from alpha supposed to be used for? Wolf from alpha is a compute engine. Uh, it is, it is basically imagine if, um, Wikipedia, but for mathematical formulas, it has a bunch of different data about a bunch of different things, even things that aren't necessarily math related, uh, album releases, album titles, things like that. Um, but it just has random information. Like you can ask it, what is the volume of the grand Canyon? And it will give you an answer. It will source, it will tell you where it got its source information from. And then you can say, cool. But what if it was filled with quarters? Now, right. it it uh, it builds itself as basically a natural language processor to a degree where you could say, "I'm going to ask a casual sentence, and it's going to break it down. It's going to say, did you mean this? Did you mean that? Is this the kind of operation you meant?'" Right. I asked it, "How do I be happy?" And it did not direct me to what I thought. Although, yeah, although, because it's. <laughs> but that leads us to our sponsorship, BetterHealth.com. No, <laughs> but seriously. After a good night on your purple mattress. Um, <laughs> you look over and see what time it is on movement watches. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Slap on those whatever socks and uh, walk your way over to. Stance. Stance. Stamps.com. Um, oh, also stamps.com. Sorry. I've been emailing yeah. a lot of advertisers. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to get confused on questions like that. Or how many things fit in the Grand Canyon? Because it's really meant for like mathematical compute and research. It's not really meant for, you know, two, two bozos to walk in and basically ask it drunk questions. So let's ask it some drunk questions. Well, let's ask it some drunk questions. Ben, we asked it last uh, episode. We, we took, a bit of a, uh, took a bit of a shift and we asked how many quarters stacked flat not you know end on end face on face would it take to reach the bottom of the marianas trench right or stack to the top however you want to you know the trench half full trench half empty however you want to think about that um and for for those that aren't uh caught up on the history of this i am notoriously wrong um i don't know how far it is to the moon i don't know how big the grand canyon is uh, I definitely don't know how deep the Marianas Trench is. Uh, I've said Marianas, Marianas, uh, Marianera, uh, different ways every single time. So I'm not the person to go to. Uh, so this in this last round, Lou had honors and he got to go first. And I had an idea. So Lou, what was your guess on how many quarters flat stacked the Marianas Trench? 
Well, my guess was, and I based this off of my uh, my recollection of the Marianas Trench being basically as deep as it is out to space, and space is considered to start around 100 miles above Earth. So I said, cool, quarters are thin, let's go with 10 billion. Right, and I, because I keep losing this game, came up with a genius idea. I'm going to go 10 billion and one. Got a 50-50, no way I'm losing. There you go. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess there's a 50% chance I could lose, but I felt pretty good about it. Right. And that all hinges on me being pretty accurate, but conservative in my estimate, which sounds like Lou. It sounds like you. Yeah. 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 So I went to, uh, I went to Wolfram Alpha and it, it returned a lot of information. Notably, it returned a graph uh, of Wikipedia edits. Right. Which you and, wouldn't think this, I mean, the, the trench itself is not very variable. So you wouldn't think that the actual Wikipedia would vary all that much. It's not like head coaches right. at a junior college school that might change every season or so. Like, this is pretty stagnant uh, information here. Yeah, you would think so. Except in 2012, there was a run on Wikipedia. Uh, we went from, I don't know, averaging a few hundred edits to early 2012. There was a spike where we hit over 40, over 40,000 edits. And I don't this is maybe a weak resolution. Uh, they don't really label it down that well. But all of a sudden, we're jumping from a few hundred to over 40,000 edits. Something happened early 2012. So I got distracted. <laughs> Ooh, look, shiny. It turns out that, uh, and I quote, four manned descents and three unmanned descents have been achieved in a Marianas Trench. Uh, the first was uh, this, a Swiss-designed, Italian-built, U.S. Navy-owned bath escape. Yes, I said that. Um, the bath escape Trista reached the bottom at 1.06 p.m. on 23rd January 1960 with Don Walsh and Jack, Jacques Picard. Iron shot was for ballast and gasoline for buoyancy. Um, the onboard systems indicated a depth of 11,521 meters. That's 37,799 feet. Um, later revised to 35,000 feet. Um, the depth was estimated from pressure conversion, so that's why they had to change it later. It was followed in 1996. So uh, what was that? 50 years later. Mm -hmm. um, oh, no, 40 years later. Sorry. Yeah. Um, ish. Not quite, but close. Uh, and then another rover in 2009. So there was this big span of time where we, we didn't go to the bottom. So what happened in 2012? First, Sorry. Yeah. So they, they, all mer they all measure pretty similarly. But then all of a sudden, in 2012, we made a fourth journey. Um, now, this one was 50 years after the original. It was made by Canadian film director James Cameron on the 26th of March. He reached the bottom of the Mariana Trench in a submersible vessel Deep Sea Challenger, diving to a depth of 10,908 meters or 35,787 feet. Now, all that's really interesting. Wait, wait, wait. Um, the real question is, did he, find, did he find the necklace? That's why he's there, right? He's, he's there to find, the, he's there to find, was it the heart of the ocean or whatever that stupid thing was in the eight hour long movie we, where the dude fell off and hit the propeller and I laughed really hard. Like that's, that's why he's there, right? Wikipedia is unclear. Okay. <laughs> um, and Leonardo could have been, he could have fit on that door. I'm sorry. I'm dying on that. We all know it, 
We're all we're all on the door. He's off the. Uh, never mind. Go ahead. I'll James Cam- James Cameron went really deep in the ocean. I'll never let go. The very next thing you do is not just let go, like literally break his icy hands, over hands off it. I, I would like to think that I was really in the movie at that time. And I was like, oh, I get what they're trying to do there. But I had to laugh at the I'll never let go and then letting go. Like, I just can't. Right. Even in the moment in the theater, I'm like, everybody else, right? You, you're with, you're, nobody's with me? Okay. Right, right. Yeah. So the astute amongst you will notice 35,000 feet. Um, 5,000. We'll just re- get, you know, um, guesstimate this 5,000 feet to the mile, 280, right. but we're going to round that off because I don't want to do the math. Because um, so we're talking like seven miles. Uh, earlier, I said it was as deep as space is tall which I was off by an order of magnitude. It's seven miles deep-ish. <laughs> Space starts at 100 miles. So my recollection was wrong. Ben, this isn't looking good for you assuming that my guess was anywhere near right. I'm just going to put that out there. No. Um, so back to the task at hand. Um, what we found out is that um, actually Wolfram Alpha did do this one really well. We had a bunch of problems with, uh, Grand Canyon. Generally, we had to you know jump through some hoops. This one worked out pretty straightforward. It figured out exactly what we were trying to do and gave us a, um, account of 6 million quarters. And your winning number is 6 million quarters. Now, Lou, I haven't done math Not in a while. 10 million. <laughs> which ones, which way does the mouth open on the little, uh, greater than less than on, a? Uh, 10 billion versus 6 million. Yeah. Pac-Man is definitely eating 10 billion. <laughs> All right. Listen, I'm, t- I, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the trench. Let's find something else. Let's. Oh no, no. Uh, let it, <laughs> let, let's indeed find something else. That's 6 million quarters. That's $1.25 million. Right. Right. So the other thing that Wolfram Alpha had at the time when I ran it, his net worth valuation fluctuates wildly. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time that came out to roughly one 72,467th of a Jeff Bezos (laughs) 0.0014% of his net worth. Um, And it's gone up since then. So basically for this is this is nothing this is probably walking around change for jeff bezos if it wouldn't you know cripple him to carry that much weight in quarters right Uh, now funny enough to put it a different way that's 0.0014 percent of his net worth right the median household income in the u.s was from as the recent five-year census bureau survey fifty five thousand three hundred twenty two dollars okay um comparatively that's like uh, I, I don't understand what I was writing there. I said less than 77 cents comparatively, but basically if you took 2 million, uh, if you took 2 million, ha- okay, so I'm not sure what I was getting at there, but here we go. Uh, there are 117, 117 million households in the U S. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, comparative net worth. Um, if you take the comparative net worth 0.0014% of the average median household income, and I know that's a bit different, but um, the world's a bit different if you're already wealthy. So I think this is fair. Um, that's 77 cents. If you put 77 cents uh, down and told Jeff Bezos to put a comparable amount of wealth down, he could fill the Mariana stretch. That is quarters. insane. That it is take two million insane. households. It would take 2 million households, each contributing three quarters 
to match what Jeff Bezos could do alone. Two million households. That's crazy. But if we each pitch in our three quarters, That's... we could get there. <laughs> uh, I ain't pitching in shit. Um, so I, I'm ready to get out of the trench, man. I'm tired of losing. Honest. I mean, this is it's starting to hurt my soul a little bit. Like, yeah, on target. Stay That's on target. <laughs> I couldn't bullseye a womp rat with a nuclear bomb from 4,000 feet. You couldn't hear a nitroglycerin. <laughs> you couldn't hear a dump truck <laughs> driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's move away from the canyon. Let's move away from the Marianas yeah. Trench. Let's, let's pick something else. Maybe the scale is too grand for my minuscule mind. Um, Lou, I, since you're going to, I would like for you to guess first, since you've won almost every time, uh, the only time you didn't win, it was like a tie because we both lost. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to pick the place. Is that okay with okay. you? I'm yeah. going to pick a place. I am going to say, cause I saw that this was recently like the, the, and I think you sent it to me, the, the Every largest, with the flag <laughs> you sent me this. I think it was the, the largest Lego set is no longer the big millennium Falcon set. Yes, that, that is true. Now the largest one is the Roman Colosseum. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe that's still correct. Over oh, 9,000 pieces. 9,000 pieces. So I'm going to pick the actual Colosseum. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the, the, the venue, and I'm saying the Colosseum. So, Lou, what are we sticking in the, the Colosseum? What do you got? I think if, in honor of Lego, setting up the Colosseum. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think it needs to be Lego bricks. I've screwed up. That's too, I didn't help the scale. That's still tiny. <laughs> so, so we're doing bigger than quarters. That's I, are they? Um, <laughs> um, okay. Well, so, you, so it just so happens. <clears throat> so, so yeah. So how are you like, let's get to a standard brick size. Like, like what is a Lego brick? A Lego brick, a, a two pip by four bit pip Lego brick. Like you think of your volumetric brick, um, you, you would see it on a logo somewhere mm -hmm. is, is 16 millimeters by 32 millimeters. And it's 9.6 millimeters tall. Cause they're a little taller than they are wide. originally, right. Um, by pip. So that's what we're talking about. If you want that in real units, you know, go to Google, um, there's 25.4 millimeters per inch. So it's a little less than an inch across. It's a little over an inch long. Okay. Um, maybe a third of an inch tall. Okay. All right. So, so kind of small, it's not kind, as small as a quarter, but kind so of small. Say, say those numbers one more time. I want to make sure I have, I'm doing some very quick, bad math in my head. So sure. Uh, 16 millimeters by 32 millimeters by 9.6 millimeters. And what'd you say that was in inches? Oh, uh, it's about, uh, a little more than half an inch by a little over an inch by about a third of an inch tall. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I've got what I need. So since you have won this competition every single time, it's not really a competition. I just show up and I smile. Um, why don't you go first? So how many Legos do you think it would take to fill the Roman Coliseum? Okay. Well, these are all roughly uh, tens of millimeters. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call it centimeters, centimeter by centimeter by centimeter. Okay. Uh, I'm going to assume that the Coliseum is probably, I, I've never seen it in person. 
I honestly don't know how big it is. Uh, my classics professors would smack me around. I really don't have any idea. And this is one of those things. Let me interject as you're, yeah. I'll give you a moment to, to go through your logic in your head while I speak for a moment is in my head, either the Coliseum is as big as I think it is, which would be nice, but probably not. Or it's one of those things where it's like, you think it's way bigger or way smaller than you think it is. And then you see it in person. And you're like, that's not what I thought at all. You right. know, it's like the idea of like, oh, the Rockefeller tree, how big could it be? And you get there and you're like, that's a gigantic tree. Or conversely, you're like, oh, like this statue was, I thought this statue was gigantic. Or Mona Lisa, was it the Mona Lisa? Like you think it's like this gigantic painting and it's oh, actually like, yeah. like a few feet really by tiny. a few feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just this tiny little painting. So um, that said, again, showing how little I know about almost all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so please, so go ahead. What's, yeah, what's your inclination it, it of how large this structure is? It held somewhere, it held something like 80, 90,000 people. So close to say Sanford. Right. So I'm going to put it in a, in a football sized arena. I'm going to say uh, it's in the hundreds of meters, um, probably a bit longer than it is wide because right. it is, uh, you know, oval in shape, but I'm going to say it's in a hundred meter class and I'm going to say it's a hundred meters tall as well. So that's the order of magnitude. Now we're talking about um, centimeters in each dimension going up to a uh, hundred meters in each dimension uh-huh. orders of magnitude. So centimeters, we go, we go to the meter, then tens of meters and hundreds of meters. That's three orders of magnitude in each dimension. Cause we got volume. Mm-hmm. So one Lego pip is going to turn into um, a thousand, a million, a billion. That seems like it's too large, but I'm going to go with a billion. Okay. Um, it's really funny. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about this next week. A billion uh, one, right? Uh, no, no, no. It's no, I no, it's not. I'm going with, I'm actually, putting a little bit of thought into it. Uh, not much. Um, but it's, we'll talk about this next week that my thought process is pretty close to yours. So you're saying a billion, correct? Right. That's correct. I have not writing it down right now. So I, it's on I, record. I, I, I did a few numbers cause we're not playing prices, right? So, so we can go over and mm-hmm. still be correct. Um, so, or are we, let me make sure we're, we're yeah, clear prices right rules okay. still apply. We're, we're still doing prices right rules. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going over. Mostly because I like saying prices, right? Okay, so so we're not going to go over. That is going to change what I'm doing a little bit. So you say billion. I'm going to say closer to what my actual guess was going to be. I'm going to say 2.1 billion. Okay. Now, now later I will. That's good. I will. I, I will actually give you my calculations, <laughs> and you can tell me how dumb I am. So so I may have lost again, but I feel okay about this one. No, no, I I, I like it. I mean, that's uh, I'm biased because it's close to mine, but. Um, oh, and so by the way, it. and by the way, for everybody that read the tag on this and we're like, they are going to talk about star Wars, right? I promise we're going to talk about star Wars. It's, <laughs> you, you won't spend a whole evening with us and not hear something about the star Wars. That's probably true. That's probably Sadly. true. Um, uh, but yeah, so we want to hear what you think. Uh, go ahead and make a guess. I guess, you know, Absolutely. We cannot stop you from looking these up and making an accurate guess, but you're cheating yourself of the experience. Exactly. Um, Plus so, there's nothing you can win. So there's no point in cheating. Uh, and if uh, any of the, the ideas that you have, go ahead and send an email. Uh, I believe the email is, wait, I know this, uh, gengeekpod at gmail.com. You can send an email. Um, that's not my personal email. I did receive a personal email this week from Netflix. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Netflix. Ne- <laughs> Net, well, don't they just send you in-app notifications now? Like this seems actually it wasn't specifically Netflix. <clears throat> it was DVD.com. What is DVD.com? Sorry. 
<laughs> what the fuck is dvd.com? This is Jingy. You can say whatever the hell you want. You can cuss on that's this. Right. This is not the other one. The other one is best thing ever. Um, anyway, that's, that's, that's the, the smallest plug I'll ever make for that. Um, so dvd.com. So back when I first signed up with Netflix slash, uh, slash DVD or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it was basically the exact same price to get both of them. So they're like, you can get the streaming, but streaming was very early on. We'll also send you a disc. And this was yeah. actually in the time when it was primarily discs. Well, that was Sorry. a great deal because for a while you got, you got like, you got that combo deal, but you had to get it because some things were exclusive streaming. Some things were exclusive DVD. You remember you go to the site and you'd be like, they, they show you some movie. You're like, Oh yeah, I want to watch that. And like, yeah, it's on the other surface. Right. Why'd you show it to me? Well, and in this, in this time, kids uh, sit down and I'll tell a tale is uh, because everything you old, really wanted, <laughs> old man, bitchin'. <laughs> well, that's this segment is, uh, you wanted the DVD stuff, but the streaming stuff had almost nothing on it. So to put this in context is like the streaming right. service was there, but there's no original content, no TV shows, no original movies, not the 52 original movies that they announced <laughs> that they were going to drop this year, which is, you know, when people found out that they were spending billions on development, they're like, yeah, what are you going to do with it? And they're like, we're going to get the rock and Gal Gadot and uh, Ryan Reynolds and all the, and Leonardo DiCaprio to make like full cinema movies. Like, I mean, they went big on it and then immediately people were like, you're, you're doing what? And they're like, yeah, 52 and a movie a week. Anyway, that aside, uh, dvd.com sent me an email and they were like, Hey man, how's it going? And I'm like, good. Why are you reaching out to me? And they're like, oh, we thought you might like a dvd.com subscription. We and they're like, raised. They go. So we see that you haven't returned the hurt locker. Wait, what? And I'm like, the Hurt Locker? You mean that DVD you sent me in 2009? And they're like, so we saw that you haven't returned it. So, you know, if you want to return it, that'd be great. We won't charge no you late fees. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at this point would be like, you know, in the, in the billions. Wait, um, yeah, uh, for, for, for the chillins out there, <laughs> late fees were a thing you had to pay if you didn't return your DVD on time. Or your book to the library. Yeah, um, and rewind fees were what you had to pay if you didn't rewind your VHS, which is a whole other thing. Listen, Lou, I want to remind you, please be kind. Rewind. Rewind. Um, what a difference. What a, what a difference. So, um, so they were like, hey, send it back, no late fees. Or they're like, if you lost it, cool, man, no worries. We'll just send you another one. Just let us know that that one's lost. And I'm like, first off, I'm pretty sure you wrote this off on your taxes like day one of 2010. Right. A decade ago, but uh, over a decade ago. But beyond that, I'm like, why are you going to send me a DVD? What am I going to play that in? I don't own a DVD player. I don't own a Blu-ray player. I owned a Blu-ray player for like a year. And then I was like, I'm just going to go stream everything. So question. Yes. You in the front row. Yeah. There's, there's a loophole in this process. Then what you're telling me is I get a DVD.com subscription and keep a DVD for 10 years. And then they'll just be like, you don't have to return it. We'll just send you the next one. It's the slowest hostage situation you will ever see. <laughs> uh, insert the Batman transition noise. Um, okay. So, um, so I have something else that came to my mind uh, recently. And I, I posted this on our little Trello board because yeah, yes. Intrepid listeners, we do actually organize some of these things. 
God, um, what mail service were you using that just told you? What's that? I said, what mail service from 10 years ago were it you using? It was forwarded just... from my Hotmail account, if you must ask. It was forwarded oh. to my Google Mail account <laughs> from my Hotmail account. Yahoo! Nice. Um, oh, man, I had a Juno account. Like, like I can't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I had a Juno account? Um, sorry. Do you know what that is? Some things do have to hit the, the cutting room floor. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, um, so I'm going to transition out of that because this is something that I posted up on our Trello board. Cause yes, we do actually do some organization and often I posted that and Lou is a very busy and very important man. So, uh, I, I, I'm happy to even get a sliver of his time. Um, one of those things is true. And then I posted this one thing and you immediately posted an article back. <laughs> like it was just ready in the chamber, ready to you go. Totally sniped me. No, you totally nerds. Like I, <laughs> I was standing in the hall going to get like coffee or tea or whatever it was I was going to get at that time of day. And I saw it hit and I was, I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. And I basically just stopped in, in mid stride until I could resolve the situation. <laughs> Well, the thing that grabbed his attention that hopefully it'll grab yours was this. And I posed a dumb question is, and I, and I know that they're depending on which it's a comic book question. So depending on which version of the comic book that you have read or familiar with right. disclaimers, you can answer this question within Canon because this question's come up before and they tried to fix it. But essentially it goes like this. Superman, Kal-El, he is jettisoned from his dying planet and happens to end up on earth with the yellow sun that empowers him and makes him a super man. Okay. Oh, that's uh, where the name comes from. They said it. They said the name. Um, oh. here's my question. What if he didn't Today end up years old? What if he didn't end up in a solar system like ours? What if Superman okay. ended up somewhere where the sun didn't give him the star in that, that universe didn't give him superpowers. Sure. What if it did the opposite? What if like, instead of coming here and he's like, I'm super fast and I can jump super high and I'm super strong. What if it's the opposite? And like everybody else that's on that planet has what normal, but it's actually an incumbent on him. And he's like, I'm super slow and I'm super weak, even though I'm still super handsome. Cause I assume like his good looks transcends. Yeah. He's not super attractive because of the suit of the, the yellow sun. He's just, that's how he looks. And he happens to have the phys physical attributes. Yeah. So, so my, what got stuck in my craw was the idea that like he lands on this other planet and all of a sudden he's super slow and he's super weak. Um, maybe he has to rely on his mind for everything. Maybe he becomes kind of like Brainiac. Maybe he becomes kind of like Lex Luthor right. where, you know, well, uh -huh. his, his superpower is still, because his brain isn't affected by the yellow sun, I assume as well. I so, assume so, not, his, yeah. so his acumen is just of his own volition and his physical attributes is what's being changed. So basically the yellow sun just makes him the high school quarterback, but he's still the same person intellectually and all of that. So, right. and I would he's, have to think that their, their race being that, that they probably, uh, the, the Kryptonians have been there much longer than we have. They've developed much longer than we have. Obviously they have the technology to send a baby you know, out into safety as their uh, world is crumbling. So, right. So it would only make sense that he's super smart, but on this certain planet, he would be super weak because of the sun. And then I send that to Lou and you <laughs> send back to me. You're like, well, here's canonically what everybody says about it. Well, yeah. And because it, it's something that I've thought about before, obviously, especially being, you know, a, uh, especially being a Kevin Smith fan, it's come up in like 
several of his movies, you Superman know, and, lives. as casual conversations um, that go off in the background. It, it's definitely something I've thought about before and something I've, you know, read about in, in some of the comics, but never to any depth. I was never a big Superman comic follower, but obviously Krypton was, was not a superpowered system, but I never asked myself, what color was the star of the crypto? Like what color was the star of the system? It was a dying star. It was an old star. It would make sense. It's a cooler star, like a red star, something like that, which it was um, spoiler alert, Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, but then I said, wait a minute. Does, is it, is it just yellow suns? Is it just the yellow stars or is it like sun temperature or star temperature determines power level? And as it turns out, there was an arc. I didn't read this. I did not know this. Uh, trivia I probably shouldn't have just picked up at some point. There was an arc where um, there was there was a stern warning given to Superman before he went to another travel by rocket to another system. Presumably he needed a rocket because he couldn't fly through space once he left the yellow sun. Um, that he needs to be careful of what will happen to him when he goes to a blue star because that will accelerate his powers even further and possibly give him new powers. Um, could that corrupt him? And uh, likewise, if he was, if he had been launched to another red, you know, a red dwarf system, would he have been the upstanding citizen? Could he have been an, a supervillain? Because he's still handsome. He's still, he has all the makings of someone who could, you know, be a con artist and conniving. He could be a great face of a big public empire. Uh, he's shrewd, you know, he could be, um, he could be a brilliant, uh, a brilliant engineer like Lex Luthor, you know? There, but for the grace of God goes Batman um, in that he's trying to avenge his parents' death and has a moral code. So it's, I, I, it just, it stopped me in my tracks and I was really compelling. I said, I've, I know I've skirted this question so many times and all the times I thought about it, but I've never thought about it and think about this is a, this is a civilization that has not colonized other star systems. We know that cause they got destroyed. They do have the technology to send rockets interstellar distances in a meaningful amount of time because Superman still landed on earth as a baby. It didn't take generations to get there. So they're able to travel uh, interstellar distances. They haven't colonized other star systems. Um, maybe it was a moral thing. I don't know. These are, these are smart people and they were lucky. They are lucky enough to have the good technology to get them to a star system because it's not just, it's not even necessarily what color star he landed at, what temperature star. They're lucky he landed in a solar system. Right. With plants capable of establishing life at all, right? Not like, just on a moon. And like, mostly yeah, yeah. Nothing. It's mostly nothing. Um, yeah. So and, he's, he's got an incredible amount of star privilege. So going with this thought process of like, maybe it was like he landed ooh, in a place ooh. that made him weaker. Sorry, go ahead. So question. Did the Kryptonians at the time know? And I honestly have no clue if this what what this is. I'm assuming not. Did the Kryptonians at the time know that the yellow sun would make him stronger? Or did they just look for a habitable planet, fire him off towards it, and it was a surprise to everyone? Uh it depends on which ones you read, because that's the thing is that you have a storyline and and somebody out there's gonna get really mad at me because I'm taking this in way broad strokes. There's a storyline where they just jettison him in like a last minute, get him out of here. Right. And then there's also the we're gonna send him to Earth. Because it's as close to inhabitable as Krypton. And then there's the, we're going to send him to Earth because we know that the yellow sun will make him stronger and it's inhabitable and he'll be able to help 
earth not have the fate that krypton had okay um these are but it's kind of like talking about the origin of like the hulk and bruce banner like he got hit by gamma rays in like 30 different ways so it's like saving a child and like saving government officials and just wandering out into the the bomb site and like riding a roller coaster yeah (laughs) i think it's gonna work this time um so so real quick let me but to your point though is basically is if he is weakened by this uh, whatever sun and whatever planet he's on or moon or anything like that. Uh, he basically becomes Mr. Glass, not a moon, it's a space station. Right. Exactly. He becomes basically like oh. Mr. Glass in the, uh, M night yeah. Shyamalan and ding dong. Um, in the M night movies is he's brilliant. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He becomes like Sam Jackson. He's brilliant. Um, but you know, because of physical, you know, handicaps or restrictions or anything else like that, uh, it becomes a problem. Now the article, you said, but it was still such a great reveal. It's great. Um, now the, um, the, the thing you sent me that I thought was interesting about like the different versions of like the different suns and, you know, in one instance, they put a green filter over the sun to, to dampen his powers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But almost every other incarnation was like, he goes to a place where it's like a white dwarf. What happens? Oh, he gets stronger. And it's like, oh, well, what happens in this other one? He goes to like, uh, it like, it's like a black hole and it's like, oh, well, he gets stronger. It's like everything that, you know, kind of the character was made to be to begin with, which was, you know, developed by Simon, uh, Simon and Schuster to basically be like the Messiah. Like it's, you know, two Jewish, two Jewish guys that were like, let's make a super strong guy because you know, it's the thirties and forties and things aren't going well, um, for, for people like us. Um, the idea that every other situation they put him in, he just gets stronger and stronger to me is a little bit of a cop-out, which is why I like, I like the character, but the character is only as good as its weaknesses. So a, a, a character that's literally called Superman that continues to like, you put him in new situations. You're like, Oh, he's on a different planet. Is it going to make him weaker? He's like, no, no, no. He can do all that stuff and more stuff. And it's like, right. Okay. Well fun to watch, but you know, you can't just eat sugar. Like <laughs> this is like the nerds. <laughs> this is like the nerds rope of, of stuff. You have to have like a little bit of sour patch kids here to, to really appreciate the, the sugar. So, um, DC, DC seems to have that problem generally though. A hundred percent. That and naming. It's like, cool. The, the one that, the one that I could never get over, is that Harley Quinn before she went nuts <laughs> was Dr. Harleen Quinzel. And I just like, I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. But she dresses nice like a Harlequin. Yeah. I, it's, it's, like oh, a I Harlequin. Just, yeah. I, I, I love the character, but I just, I, you please like try, try put in a little, if you put in just a little effort, I guarantee you Hold Susan, on. Her name was Susan. Susan. Susan Quinzel. Hold on. Sorry. I'm trying to get my little buddy out of here. Come here. Uh-oh. Uh, it's just a little stink bug, but yeah, I have a moral uh, objection against killing anything. Um, really? So, uh, yeah. He you know doesn't like to kill people. Um, Superman? Uh, getting paid. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on one second. I, oh. I love the transition. I wrote down notes in a notebook that is not here. So... <laughs> I'm going to need an ad break. <laughs> yep. So just like I did for you earlier, if you want to vamp and give an ad break, uh, this will just be fun for me to figure out what you did later. So uh, I'll be right back. And now a special message from our, well, not sponsors, village wine and spirits. That's right. Village wine and spirits providing us with villages, wines, and spirits. Also beer. Because beer is in the spirit. Also, this message brought to you by 
whatever these things are, these things right here, these little red boxes, Scarlet Solos, Scarlet Duos, they are made by Focusrite. Focusrite, I finally got the name. Focusrite, for when you need focus, right? Wardrobe provided by Amazon.com. Because we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we just order our clothes online and hope they fit. Incidentally, that's why we're not on YouTube. Hosting services provided by Boris Bits. Boris Bits, delivering your internet Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Weekend special fee. Zeros are free. The ones will cost you. Trello. When you need to plan your podcast or any part of your life, organize them into little cards. They're kind of like post-it notes, except you can't move them around. And if you throw them out when you're done, you're throwing out your technology as well. Don't do that. I agree with Trailer. everything he just said. And we're back. <laughs> as a total blanket. Sorry, I had to go get my nifty little notebook here. And You know what's I, super weird? I, I took notes because, well, here's the thing. Star Wars people scare me, and some people call me a Star Wars person, and I'm not, and that's what scares me. Right. I, I, I call myself, like, there's... <laughs> There's striations to this. There's levels. Um, Keep it moving, Ben. We're running along. Keep it moving. I know we are. There's a lot. Mando has a lot. So let's talk about Mando. Yes, let's talk about Mando. As you were saying, people who kill people people for money. Yeah. (laughs) I I can kill someone for money. Um, All right. So we're going to try and keep this kind of short. And I think we will probably be revisiting Mando uh, with some special Uh, guests maybe in the future. But uh, we absolutely will be because I'm just going to go put this right out here. Put my biases right out. You hated it. (laughs) Yes. It's terrible garbage. We don't need to be talking about this at all. So everyone's going to come in and correct me. No, Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is my favorite Star Wars property to come out in a in a long time. And um, I'm going to admit this right now. We're going to kind of skip over this and you can lambast me about this later. Uh, we can bring in guests to harangue me, but I uh, just started watching um, the Clone Wars animated series, so I did miss out on that. However, The Mandalorian is my favorite property in Star Wars in a long time, and this is exactly what I wanted out of Disney taking over and pumping out way too much Star Wars like we knew they were going to. This is what I wanted, so... I am all about this. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you were the one that mentioned this and uh, let me organize my thoughts for a second. You're, yeah. you mentioned, you were like, I'm tired of, let me speak for you for a moment. You said, I'm yeah, tired of the Skywalker do. saga. I just want to take this universe. I want a world build. I want to learn more about it. Um, but I want different types of stories. I want different characters right. and I want that sort of thing. So when they Accurate. were originally talking about making this series, it was like, we're going to make a Mandalorian series. And people were like, cool, we're going to make a Boba Fett uh, series. And we get to finally see how great Boba Fett is. And this is what I think, if, if there's a uh, thesis to what I'm about to say, is uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are basically saying, we're going to give you the fan service that will make you happy, but we're going to do it in the story that we're telling. So right. you're going to ride this train that we are directing, we direct where this train goes, but you are going to see some stuff out the window that you're excited about seeing that you remember that you find familiar. You're going to see the, some of the same sites. You're going to see some of the same people, but it's going to be in service to our story, which really 
uh, kudos to a strong idea of where you want to go with something, which is a complaint that many have, me as well to a certain extent, about the sequel trilogy, is if you're, you, you're yeah. being reactionary rather than going, here's where I'm starting, here's where I'm ending. It kind of is a different version of the, the idea that two writers work in two different ways. Either one is create the characters and you kind of learn the characters as you write the story and, and you go wherever you go. Uh, or saying, here are my points I have to hit, and I'm going from A to Z, but this is how I'm getting from A to Z. Obviously, John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni have an idea of what they want to do with that. I don't mind any of the fan service. I think they're absolutely destroying it with this. But to your point, yeah. it's, 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 not, it's, it's a needle to thread, right? Like, it's a needle to thread because you could go the full other say and say like, well, we're just going to write their own story. But if you go that far, you're basically just borrowing some props. Cool. We have blasters. We have lightsabers. We have spaceships. It's not star Wars. And if you're not touching on some of those touch points, it's not star Wars. Um, so there's, there's different ways to balance that. You don't have to say, okay, you know, cool. Here's, here's, um, we're going to set it in the same time frame. We're going to put it on the same planets. You don't have to do that much fan service, but um, there, there is an extreme you can go to where you're like, well, we basically just wrote an entirely new story that, um, doesn't intersect anything and might as well be its own story. We just slapped the star Wars name on it. And that would have been bad. Right. Like, cause then what, I mean, what are you getting out of that? And they, I think they threaded that needle really well. Right. And it is kind of the, we, we have alluded to it, but as star Wars fans, I think you always run this, uh, dangerous minefield of. You want it to be everything that four, five, six was if you originally started with four, five, six. You want which was very sure. heavy, which was very heavy in the force and very little on lightsaber fights and all that sort of thing. Um, and a, a lot about building, you know, family and 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 connections and all that. And then one, two, three seems to be very heavy on let's get some action in, let's have a lot of fun with this, you know, like great lightsaber battles and things like that. Um, you you kind of run this minefield of like what type of star Wars fan are you wanting to service? So when you make seven, eight, nine, then you're kind of like, well, we want to make four, five, six happy. We want to make one, two, three happy. And we want to make people that are watching the animated series, which I also did not watch the animated series. I'm going to be going back and watching those as well, because now I'm just sold on Filoni. Filoni's the reason I'm going back and watching those. I watched a little bit and I'm yeah. like, no, this dude gets it. This is George Lucas 2.0. Right. And so instead of saying, let's make a new four, five, six, which is kind of the complaint about seven. And instead of saying, let's totally change things or, or really expand the world like one, two, three, which is one of the complaints about eight. Um, right. And, and then let's tie it all together and make everybody happy with nine, which kind of doesn't satisfy anybody, even though I thought it was right. a magic trick, even to pull it off. All that said, Filoni and Favreau go, here's a Western. Here's a spaghetti Western. And we're going to introduce all new characters. And then once you've come to really earn it with those characters, oh, then, by the way, here's Ahsoka Tano and here's Boba Fett. And it, let's let's not talk about the last episode yet. Let's let's kind of wait right. to, to build that a little bit um, because I have some things. But I thought the first season was good. I think the second season is a perfect season of television. And maybe that's going too far, but I'm, I was super impressed with the second season of Mando. I, I thought it was even better than the first. And that was a tall order for me, honestly. Um, this is the kind of thing that I've wanted to see 
out of the Star Wars universe now that Disney owned it. This is the kind of world expansion that I wanted to see. And I, I, I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy it's here. So um, had, sorry. So I had to make a couple of notes because I kind of want to go through this beat by beat. If, if you can allow me the leniency to do that. I kind of want to hit it beat by beat no. and, then, and then talk about everything else just in broad strokes that Star Wars is doing, because obviously they've pivoted what they're wanting to do. Um, right. But right off the bat, you get like all the I like that all these episodes are almost standalone episodes. Most of them, you can just watch them. It's like the story arc stuff plays a part in yeah. it. But standalone, you're still going to enjoy the episode. We get a crate dragon right off the bat and it's straight up tremors and it's gigantic. When I was watching the some of the behind, behind the scenes. Season two. What's that? Season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. season two. Yeah. Um, I'm focusing all this on season two because like we're so far beyond season one at that point. It's like, I, right. you don't need a summary of it. You've probably already seen it. Um, it with the Crate Dragon, it's basically Tremors. It's incredible. And I remember from the behind the scenes, they were like, let's make it big. Now make it bigger. Now make <laughs> it bigger. How much bigger can you make bigger? it? Hold on. <laughs> and right. that was the first one that Favreau wrote and directed. So Favreau had the restraint to make an entire season that he's the showrunner of and then get right. to this episode and just go, now it's time. Now it's time for the dude that did elf. Now it's time for the dude that did iron man. Now it's the time for right. the dude that did swingers. Like now it's time for that dude to lay his big crate dragon on the table. And, it, and it was, it was fantastic. Timothy Oliphant. That is a gorgeous man. Oh, oh. That is, yes, a, I, I was, could, I was waiting. I was waiting for an opportunity to not like step on where you were going. Were you but, waiting for the Oliphant in the room? Can we talk about how good looking that man is? It's a crime. It's I, a crime. I did not know I him. Want him. I want him convicted. I want him locked away in a place where there are no cameras so that like, you know, our spouses can't see him. <laughs> I didn't know that that kind of beauty exists in the world. I never knew him from anything else. I like, I had, I knew the he name. He was in Justified, which, um, which I heard was really, I didn't watch it. I've seen a few episodes here and there. I heard was really, really good. Yeah, that's, that's all I know him for. And he was incredible. And then you get, oh, you know, the tea was in, he was, uh, he was in like one episode of the good, place. the good place. That's the only other yeah. place I've seen. Him he was, the, he was a judge's crush, which was awesome. <laughs> and he showed up as the character from Justified. I don't know his name, but, um, so let me, so beyond just talking about how great Tilly, uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant looks, right. um, uh, episode two, you had eye spiders, uh, it kind of a filler episode, kind of not. I liked, I liked the little story, but it was kind of a one-off story. You and I talked about how much we liked like yeah. Xena and shows like that Buffy, but, where but it's like a really, it, because you have, um, you have the frog tadpoles, not the tadpoles, the eggs. Right. And maybe you'd eating, or sorry, Grogu. Eating the eggs. Not yet. It was still Baby Grogu at the time, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then carrying forward, he'll always be Baby Yoda in our hearts. Right. But it carries forward, and you find him playing with the tadpoles later and making good on everything. Like, it, it was a standalone episode, but even it, even its consequences carried forward. Like, it's a, it's, it's a minor episode, but it has importance into the character, into... Um, it has importance into this character who's going to live potentially, you know, unless he's cut short early hundreds of years, right? Like this is a long lived character or this is a character who's go whose race has a long lifespan. Naturally, this is a big learning moment and you're sitting here watching it and it's kind of almost happening in the background and filler episodes. Exactly. He's basically a six year old and 
here's what shows how good this show is, is that we talked about with all of our talk of all the other Star Wars movies about how you can never make Star Wars fans happy. The worst right. thing about Star Wars or Star Wars fans is, yes. is you can never make them happy because you're never making the thing that they want to see. The biggest right. complaint that I heard from anybody about anything to do with the Mandalorian was in this episode where they were like, well, I kind of felt bad that he was eating the eggs, but I get why he was eating the eggs. Like that was the worst thing anyone had yes. to say about it that I heard. Uh, now, some people didn't like the CG in the very last one, but like, whatever, we're going to get way sure. past that. But they were like, I've oh, seen I didn't like him doing that. And I'm like, he's like six. Have you ever been around a right. six year old where you're like, don't do that. And they look you dead solid in the eye and they go look at it and they knock it off like a like a like a, a, a pissed off cat. Like right. that's what six year olds do. For sure. And. That's that's not a complaint. It's it's a complaint I've heard. I've heard it loudly in some places, but not from um, what I think of as like, you know, um, the uh, the guy living in his mom's basement, um, Star Wars fan, who's like, I got to get on the phone. I got a podcast with Ben. You know, like it was it was kind of more of a just a, like a general complaint. It wasn't like a diehard Star Wars fan. It was like, well, actually, Grogu, we never, you know. So even still, like from the people who uh, to get to it from the people who you can never make happy. Like even that didn't seem to be a major issue. It's just the people who can never be made happy largely seem to either be content. I won't say necessarily, I won't say they're happy. I won't speak for them, but they seem to either be content or have just given up on ship posting on the internet. No, that's not true. No, clearly that's not, that's not true at all. Clearly they have to be content. So, yeah. so let's, let's push on. So the one after that, I really am. I had to go by these one by one because I'm, I'm this into it is the Hold third one. The third one was the one that was, sorry, go ahead. I can't see you very well, so I don't know what you're doing. Oh, me to open my next beer. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I realized I bought, I realized I brought up a, a loud cooler. Okay. Gotcha. And I was like, well, if I open this, it's going to be like, you have to give, you're going to have to give me audio cues because you're lagging. Your video is lagging so far behind or my computer's showing it so far behind. However, it's working no. is like, I just see a basically a still of you. So if you're giving me visual cues, I'm not seeing shit. Do you want to take a quick commercial break and then I'll just hard cut this in later and we can uh, restart the call? Uh, no, I don't think it's that because we restarted the call and it did the same thing. So it's, okay, it's well, just yeah, a late, it's just a latency issue. And technology is terrible. You edit this, you fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hoist by my own petard. It only took three seasons, but finally. Captain Petard? Um, so uh, episode three, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, you get more, more Amandos. The only thing I really have to say about this episode, I mean, it's great. But the only thing I have to say about this episode is you, you get Bo-Katan. Like you get the same actress that was actor technically, but I mean, for those, the, the it's, it's actor for everybody. Right. Um, but you have the same actress playing the role that voiced the role in the animated series. It's incredible. She does a great job. And obviously she's going to have a much bigger role because the whole, uh, the whole dark saber thing uh, will come to a head at some point. More Bo-Katan, less Cara Dune. Mm, you know what? I hate to have this. I hate to have this argument with you in front of all really? of our friends, but uh, I, I, I got a thing for Cara Dune, man. I like the character. Not gonna okay. lie, I, I like the individual. I just, I like the, I like a, not that you don't like a strong woman, but I like that kind of strong woman. I feel like she, I feel like she and I can get Dune. to fisticuffs, and I'm not gonna go too deep on that. But let's just say, yeah. I, I, I like some Cara oh, no, Dune. I'm afraid to get into 
Yeah, no way. I would be afraid of that. Uh, I am. I am all about the character, but I feel like she. I, she it just. She seems real wooden. I, she, I'm not rooting for Cara Dune as a character. She is a little bit wooden. You can tell that you, should, you they have to ride around her a little bit because obviously she's not a a trained actress or actor. Um, she's kind of learning. Yeah, she's kind of you know learning what? the skill as she's going, and I do think she's doing a very good and commendable job. But yep. obviously, she's Everyone's not. Everyone's got to start. Everyone's got to start somewhere. So you know what. And here's a great point is Carl Weathers to pull this all back to point. Carl Weathers started out as a football player. And then after not having much of a football career, then got into acting and it was just the muscle. And it's now got himself, to, got himself a soup going, a stew going. He got himself a stew going. And now he directed one of the episodes in Mandalorian. So think about that. A dude that was Carl, a football player. Carl Weathers is great, by the way. Oh, he's great, but he was a football player. He was an athlete. He was, uh, yeah. you know, he was like an OJ Simpson or somebody minus the murder. Yeah, um, he, was an, he was an athlete and not, you know, not a, not like a, not like a wrestler. And so, and he's gotten to a place where like now he's made the transition is the idea there. Like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they do, they do have good acting skills as well as being athletic. Right. Exactly. Like they're multidisciplinary. Like, uh, you know, wrestler, basically every wrestler is Bo Jackson, right? They're right. multidisciplinary. Right. Exactly. Football. Football and baseball. So anyway, I'm I'm so on board with her. I'm so on board with Cara Dune. I'm so on board with uh, uh, Bo Katan. I'm I'm so happy about that. Um, so all I was gonna say about that in episode four was uh, directed by Carl Weathers. The whole siege on the base thing. Um, episode five was the first one not directed by John Favreau. Oh, the siege on the base, yeah. Because uh, I, no, number so five. the siege on the base. I actually. I was just gonna skip really right by to me. No, I, I'll make it quick because uh, no, you're good. We, we got to go. We're running long. We got to go. Um, the siege on the base was important to me because I think it did a better job, but I still kind of feel like it just kind of skirted around this, this moral reckoning that star Wars is trying to have. Um, it's the thing that really, one of the things that really bothered me about um, the, the casino planet that shall not be named. Um, you can you name it? I can too name it um and there's the ball in the tee and there's a long drive ball to right it's gone bite me ah um, and scene yeah. yeah but there's there's this moral reckoning of are there ethics in in the star wars universe like do people consider ethics and what their actions are and I just, I, I feel like Cantobite fumbled the whole thing. It's like, it was like, it's right there. It's so close. Um, in the same way, there was kind of a, hmm, we're so close here. But it, I enjoyed it more. And it had a lot of similar themes. I don't know if I'm just like, how crude can we get on this podcast? Uh, uh, man, go for it. Okay. I don't know if I'm just like, this particular so hard it's about to fall off or um or if it was just legitimately better but i i saw a lot of those same themes and again i'd like to see star wars do better but it definitely felt a bit more reflective and i enjoyed that journey more even though it covered similar themes so i'm with you on this and let's keep this minor minorly tangential but uh, traditionally with star wars one of the reasons people like it so much is it's so clear cut it's like it's good versus it's good versus evil and then even in the um it's not very nuanced even on the turns it's like it's good versus evil until evil becomes good 
You like sure. it's it's this very binary idea of it. Now, I think what they're trying to do is weave in some nuance, much in the same way that um, Marvel has such nuance. Go back how DC doesn't seem to have so much nuance. No one really seems to feel bad for the Joker. No one seems to really feel bad right. for Lex Luthor. They're just this different version of evil incarnate. Um, but whereas in Marvel, they try to like look at uh, Killmonger. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Killmonger is kind of the hero of the story if you are on Killmonger's side. You right. know, ultimately, it's this name Black Panther, so you're going to be on Black Panther's side. But Killmarker well, makes sure. a but Killmarker makes a really great point. Same thing um, with Thanos. Thanos makes a really great point. If everyone's going to die of starvation, why not just arbitrarily kill half the people and then the other half get to live this privileged life? Like the logic, yeah, I th- I think, the, the I logic think works. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction to make. You know, because uh, we're we're tiptoeing on genocide here, but I think it's an important distinction to bring into point is that Thanos is like, no, we're not going to kill, you know, uh, a certain class of people. We're, we're, we're arbitrarily selecting randomly half of the people I am removed. And that's an important part of the infinity gauntlets power is that he is removed from that decision. He's not saying kill these people. He's saying kill half of them. They're gone. Um, and honestly, oddly ethical in that the people disappear. Now the people who are left have to suffer the loss and that sucks, but it is not a, it is not a suffering death. It is the universe gets to randomly pick half of them. We're not picking classes of people. So like, j- just to clarify, like, yeah, you know what there, the, you can, it is something that. I don't think everybody will, but I, I think it's something that can be empathized with. Like you can look at that and say, I don't want half the people to starve. There is overpopulation. And, you know, there, there are, there are movements here in, in, you know, real space, uh, such as the voluntary human extinction movement where like the world is overpopulated. We're not going to reproduce, you know, we're not going to go killing people. We're not violent, but we're not going to reproduce. We are doing our part to control that overpopulation like this is a thing that really people are grappling with so I, that's right. a great point so to come back to point with john favreau kind of being a foot in the marvel universe and a foot into the star wars universe is i think what they're trying to establish with the star wars universe is not this traditional dichotomy of good versus evil because like think about right. in a new hope uh what how do you start this off is you've got a literally faceless masked man all in black uh basically trying to search for and oppress a 19 year old girl in all white. Like, like you right. can't have a starker idea of like, well, this is your good guy and this is your bad guy or, or, right. or a good girl, a good person, bad person. This has been general geekery specifically. It's been a podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Lou. And may the force be with you. This has been a broken toys studio production. Yeah. Start good.